This is The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. They're running a strange program, y'all. Now, here's Frank Morano. This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano, the voice of Overnight America, the voice of the insomniacs, the man who has kept more people up from coast to coast than bad Mexican food. And uh, very pleased, one of the more, one of the newest stations that we've added to our ever-growing list of affiliates, grateful to all of them is uh, WCCO in Minneapolis. But I've been wondering, hey, you know, what are, what are Minnesotans like, right? I know I like Minnesotans. What are Minnesotans like? So to not only give us his take on uh, the Super Bowl and what's happening in the news of the day and a bunch of other things, but to give me a little bit of a inside track on what Minnesotans like, I'm going to be joined by uh, Tyrell Ventura. Tyrell Ventura has been uh, Tyler Ventura has been uh, Ty Ventura. I call him Ty. Ty Ventura has been a, a guest on this show before, and he happens to be the son of former Governor Jesse Ventura. He's a filmmaker and does a terrific podcast. So we're going to get into uh, a lot with him, including what I should be doing to make sure we have the same kind of success in Minneapolis on WCCO that we have had in New York and Baltimore and a lot of other great places. So we're going to get into that. But first, for all of you people that think it's only bad news on the radio, I got news for you. There is a great deal of good news in the world, and we're always happy to give a pat on the back to people that deserve it in the form of... The Other Side of Midnight presents Commendations. I must first give a commendation to Lamar Jackson, the quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens. Unfortunately, he did not make it to the Super Bowl, but... He still made history at Thursday evening's NFL Honors, winning the NFL MVP award for the second time. At 27 years old, Jackson is the youngest two-time MVP since the merger of the NFL and the AFL, beating out Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes by just over nine months. And Jackson was the landslide winner. He got 49 out of 50 first place votes, and this is obviously who I would have voted for. In my view, Lamar Jackson is absolutely a future Hall of Famer. He's an incredible player, and the fans of Baltimore are very, very lucky to have him, as far as I'm concerned. So, Lamar Jackson, I do commend you. I must also commend Jack Hemmings, a former Royal Air Forces pilot who has again taken to the skies in a spitfire at 102 years old. 102 years old. Jack Hemmings, an ex-squadron leader with Britain's Air Force, is believed to be the oldest pilot to fly the World War II plane. His 20-minute flight 
from an airfield in southern England on Monday was to raise money for a charity. You ready for this? That he co-founded nearly 80 years ago. The veteran who had never flown a Spitfire before said it was absolutely delightful being back behind the controls, though he said the ride was very bumpy. Love seeing people like this still productive, still doing things, still showing that you can be leading a meaningful life even once you turn 100. And the fact that he's doing this for charity, a charity that he's been so involved in for over eight decades, I just, I don't, I can't think of anything more commendable. So, Mr. Hemmings, I do commend you. And I must also commend an eight-year-old named Charlie whose quick thinking saved herself and her two-year-old sister after a a carjacking at a gas station. This quick-thinking eight-year-old saved herself and her sister when a carjacker stole their father's SUV at a Wisconsin car wash while they were still in the vehicle. You imagine how scary that is for a child. Imagine how scary that is for an adult, but for a child especially. Especially at eight years old, you're old enough to know what's going on, but you're very limited in what you can do to fight back. So this all took place on Sunday afternoon when Adam Jorgensen got a car wash with his two daughters in Oak Creek, about 12 miles south of Milwaukee. Jorgensen hopped out so he could grab a cloth after the wash and left the SUV running. Then someone stopped him to ask for directions. That's when he heard the screech of tires and saw his vehicle speeding off. Then he told me to get out, and I was like, what should I do? Should I run and be a scaredy cat, or should I save my sister too? That's what eight-year-old Charlie said. So I said, what about Autumn? Charlie said she felt the need to do something. Quote, I should try to kick him. Or defend myself in autumn. But then I was like, I should stay in my seat and do nothing. Stay here. Do the questions. But when I realized that dad had the key, I was like, he can't do anything without the key. She said the driver asked where the keys were, and she said her dad had them. The driver ended up ditching the car about a mile up the road at uh, Batteries Plus Bulbs. That's when Charlie grabbed her dad's phone from the front of the car called her mother and left a voicemail. And, you know, just calling for the mother, telling her what's going on. And it's really, if you listen to the audio, it's very scary. She le- leaves the mom a voicemail saying, Mom, I need you. We lost Dad. And the, the two-year-old, Autumn, is heard in the background saying, Where go Dada? Back at the quick trip, Jorgensen had immediately called 911. At the same time, he was on another phone with his wife, who was tracking the girls using Adam's iPhone location, who saw it stops at the batteries plus bulbs. Eventually, the police located the girls at the store and reported that the children were safe and unharmed, thankfully. But, you know, the fact that these two little girls were in the car when this miscreant carjack them. I mean, to me, it's just, as a parent and as a member of the public, it's just frightening. Frightening. And um, the fact that this eight-year-old Charlie was quick-witted enough 
to keep answering these questions and not just run out when this bad guy told her to, I think this is a very positive outcome for the whole family here. Could have certainly been much worse. I want to commend the 30 current and former employees of a middle school in Kentucky who won a million dollars in a Powerball jackpot. Five numbers on one lucky Powerball ticket won a million dollars for a Kentucky middle school's lottery pool of 30 current and former employees. The Boone County counselors, administrative staff members, special education teachers, and others who pooled their money over the past eight years each took home $24,000 after taxes following their win of the January 27th Powerball drawing, according to a news release from the lottery. The group said they've played a permanent set of Powerball numbers since 2019, sticking to those numbers week after week, and it finally paid off. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good, but, you know, they say that's what you should do rather than do the quick pick, which, you know, I play lottery so infrequently, that's what I always do. I get the quick pick. They say what you should do if you're going to play every week, whatever kind of lottery, uh, Powerball, pick three, whatever else, is always play the same numbers. Because eventually, you know, they, I guess you have a better chance that they'll come out. But who knows? Uh, lottery is, you know, not a good bet. All right. I want to commend the um, R- Richard Plowd because Richard Plowd built a 23.6-foot matchstick Eiffel Tower. A really incredible, incredible feat of me- of engineering with matchsticks. And it was the Guinness World Record holder for largest Eiffel Tower, tallest matchstick Eiffel Tower. Wouldn't you know it, Guinness World Records tells him that he used the wrong matches and they weren't going to honor the record. So anyway, this gets reported and finally, Guinness rescinds what they had said, and now they are going to honor this man as the record holder for tallest matchstick Eiffel Tower. This man spent 4,200 hours over eight years on building his model from more than 706,000 matches and 23 kilos of glue. Can you imagine putting in all that work only to be told that you use the wrong type of matches. I mean, you talk about an emotional roller coaster. I am glad this gentleman is being recognized as the Guinness World Record holder, which he certainly is. I want to commend Viagra. Viagra, it does more than just keep erectile dysfunction at bay. Oh, yes. A new study of nearly 270,000 men suggests a pharmaceutical commonly used for ED may lower the risk of Alzheimer's disease by some 18%. Hello, 18% is no joke. So, those of you concerned about Alzheimer's, as I certainly am, may find another reason to take Viagra or the generic equivalent. Who wants Alzheimer's? Um, not at all related to my commendation of Viagra, I must also commend nuts. No, not those nuts. You know, one of the things we always heard about nuts 
was that they cause you to gain weight, right? Well, it turns out that is not the case. In the midst of all these evolving dietary trends, endless health advice, there's a common misconception that eating nuts, particularly tree nuts like pistachios, leads to weight gain due to their fat content. And this belief has contributed to more than half of Americans falling short of the recommended 5 to 7 ounce equivalents of nuts and seeds per week. However, recent studies are now challenging this, revealing the beneficial impact of nuts on health without the feared weight gain. So nuts are a nutritional powerhouse. So the next time you're hanging out at the bar, enjoying a mocktail, especially during Lent, grab yourself a handful of pistachios without the guilt because nuts are good for you again. Hey, I love these guys. Uh, I just learned about these guys yesterday, but I have to commend them. Three longtime friends have attended every Super Bowl ever, and they don't intend to stop. This club, they call it the Never Missed a Super Bowl Club. It used to be much bigger. Now there's three of them left. And these three fans, all in their 80s, Don Chrisman of Maine, Gregory Eaton of Michigan, and Tom Henschel, who splits his time between Florida and Pennsylvania, they were in Las Vegas yesterday for the big game, and they're hoping they can all make it to the 60th edition of the Super Bowl two years from now. The fans have sat together at the Super Bowl before, and they're still trying to, you know, as of the article that was written about them, trying to make last-minute arrangements to do that for this year's game. But at the very least, they were planning to get together for brunch um, before the game. I think this is so cool to have attended every game since the first one in 1967 and never miss one And the fact that these three guys are able to do this as sort of a shared adventure and a shared experience, you know, it's not easy at any age to stop whatever you're doing and fly to wherever the Super Bowl is. I had an opportunity to go to the Super Bowl yesterday, and it was I decided it was a little bit too much of a pain for me to go. These guys do it every year, and they do it into their 80s. So I really have to commend these guys for... A level of stick to a level of, I don't know what you would call it, passion, that I find genuinely inspiring. Uh, I must also commend Eli Mielke. This is a gentleman who is a, a young man from Iowa who created an Instagram account called Peanut Butter Eater 16 with the idea of eating small amounts of peanut butter after getting a certain amount of followers. However, that quickly blew up. He was planning for every 50 followers, he would eat one tablespoon of peanut butter. On the sixth day of doing this, he'd amassed more than 20,000 people. So he decided every 10,000 followers, he will eat one cup of peanut butter. But that rule didn't save Eli from consuming large amounts of peanut butter. And on January 14th, he covered himself in peanut butter as promised, as he promised his followers he would do, once he reached 100,000 followers. 
So since starting this account, this gentleman has gone through seven jars of peanut butter. He spent roughly, he spent close to $150 on peanut butter to support this venture. Now, usually I don't reward this kind of social media stunting, right? These kind of social media shenanigans. Maybe it's my respect for him doing something different and out of the box. Or maybe it's because I just love peanut butter and fantasize about doing this myself. I have to give this young man a commendation. I think this is wonderful. I think it's wonderful that he kept his word. Unlike uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo, who promised to retire and uh, didn't end up doing it when there was some sporting event. I want to commend everybody who is celebrating Lunar New Year around the world. We're entering the Year of the Dragon. Very exciting. Very exciting. I love the the uh, Asian folks. And uh, it is uh, great to see everybody having such a good time with Lunar New Year. And then finally, I want to commend my brother, Alexander Marco Morano. My brother Alex watched Carmine on Friday night so that uh, my wife and I could go out to dinner at this place that uh, I've been wanting to take her to that she's not been to. And he, because, you know, he works from home, he allowed me to pick him up right after the show, which is not at all convenient for him. It starts the day a lot earlier. Then spent the whole day at our house working, watched Carmine, did a yeoman's job, even gave him a bath, and then took an Uber home at his own expense. I offered to reimburse him, wouldn't hear of it. So that was very, very nice. And um, because of that, I am waiving the debt that he owes me for Chris Christie not being the Republican nominee for president, which was a free dinner uh, of, you know, at a restaurant of my choosing. So I thought that was... uh, I thought that was really kind. Thank you, Alexander. I do commend you. All right. Um, Ty Ventura will join us in a moment, but a couple of people have been very patiently holding. Let me get to a couple of them here. 800-848-9222. Russell is in White Plain on air. Thank you. All right. Uh, We'll talk with uh, Ty Ventura in in just a moment, Uh, someone that is much more proficient in communications than Russell appears to be. You want to email me, you can certainly do so, frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. That's frank.morano at redappleaudionetworks.com. You can also find me on Twitter. I still call it Twitter, at Frank Morano. Ty Ventura joins us straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. It's The Other Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Yeah. 
You know, this morning, my goal was to do a post-Super Bowl show like no other. And what I like to do is take people that are known for things other than analyzing football telecasts and then ask them to analyze the football telecast. Well, I was uh, really grateful that our next uh, guest has uh, agreed to come on the radio with me because not only is he uh, somebody that I've come to admire a great deal, but somebody that has a pretty diverse resume himself, actor, producer, investigator, podcaster, a terrific podcast, which we'll talk about, and the son of uh, former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura. But selfishly, now that we're airing on uh, WCCO in Minneapolis, I'm hoping as a native son of Minnesota, he can kind of give me a few tips on what the Minnesotans enjoy hearing late at night. Very happy to welcome to the program, once again, Tyrell Ventura. Ty, it's great to talk with you again. Thanks for staying up late. Great to talk with you, Frank. Always, always a great honor coming on your show here in the uh, post midnight hour. Mm, well, well, it. thank you. Uh, first things first, you know, uh, give me some advice here on uh, on how to appeal to uh, the good folks of the Minneapolis St. Paul area. Is there a secret code word that I should be aware of? Uh, a secret way of pronouncing water that will let the Minnesotans know I'm secretly one of them? Oh yeah. Well, don't you know? You know, really, you just have to have it down with the uh, the Fargo accent. No, actually, man, you want to really appeal to the to, the, to wonderful people in Minnesota. You got to do what the Ventura, what my father's done, and and what a lot of people do is is integrity, honesty, and uh, and try Ludafisk. <laughs> knock a little Ludafisk, a little little uh, fish pudding. I, I have tried Ludafisk. I have to tell you, if that's going to make or break me in Minnesota, I think I might be broken. Uh, Ty, have you eat? I'm sure you've eaten Ludafisk. What, what do you like it? No, not at all. Nobody does. Anyone who does is crazy. Um, it's fish pudding. <laughs> it's 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 one of the worst things I've ever had in my life in terms of eating it. But it is a true test of whether or not you are a Minnesota. Good to know. Uh, thank you. Hey, uh, Ty. Before I get your your take on the uh, the game yesterday. Um, what kind of a football fan are you? Would you, on the scale of one being has never watched a game to ten being an encyclopedic knowledge of every team on every player, uh, every player and every team, where would you put yourself? Uh, I would probably layer myself in at about a five. I'm more of an NBA guy myself at the end of the day. However, uh, being a Minnesotan, uh, you know football heartbreaks so well. It just yeah. eats away at your soul because every time the Vikings get close, every time you think you've got the riddle solved, we fall short and our hopes and dreams are dashed. But that does not prevent us from continuing to root for the purple and gold. I was sorry the Vikings, um, you know, didn't go further in the playoffs this year. I took them just about every week in my football pool, and I'm not really an expert football analyst myself, so I come up with kind of, you know, some people would call silly, although I did very well in the uh, pool, but unorthodox methods for how I choose which team. And because Minnesota elected Jesse Ventura in 1998, they are almost always my pick in the football pool. So I was I was rooting for them. I was sorry they didn't do uh, they didn't do better. Uh, give me your thoughts on yesterday's Super Bowl, either in terms of the game itself or the showmanship, the telecast, uh, anything and everything. What did you think? 
Yeah, I thought it was an incredible game. Uh, it, it was one of those fun Super Bowl games where it wasn't just offenses taking over and going nuts, where you have these like monstrous high scores and you know every every other down is a touchdown, which is fun and exciting. But sometimes you like to see a little defense being played. You like to see you know something that goes to the wire, and you couldn't ask for a Super Bowl that that didn't have. I mean, this Super Bowl had a, a tremendous storylines with you know party. Uh, you had you had down to the wire finishes. And, the, and thankfully, I, I, in watching the game, there wasn't any real controversy on the field. There wasn't like too many blown calls mm-hmm. that would have like decided an outcome that then, you know, makes one fan base feel like something was stolen from them. It really just came down, I think, to stamina. And, you know, it's a game of inches at the end of the day. And so it's who kind of blinks when you get into the overtime like that. And tragically tonight, the can you know, the San Francisco 49ers blinked. Their defense blink, but man, take nothing away from for both teams. Uh, they played their hearts out out there. You really felt it. No, no doubt about it. Who were you rooting for, if anybody? I because I didn't really have a stake in the game. I, I, you know, and I guess Vikings are NFC, so you got to go with the NFC side. But and, and you know, to me, the San Francisco had a, you know, they had the storylines that you kind of want to see mm-hmm. play out. But like that doesn't take away from the incredible, incredible talent and coaching of the Chiefs. Um, you know, obviously Mahomes is is one of those generational quarterbacks uh, that you that you just kind of know is going to put it on his back and take it in. And, and so a little bit of me, you know, I always like to see the underdog win, even though, the, the, you know, Niners are a hell of a team. But you always kind of want to see that that the underrated team succeed. So I was a little let down that they that they didn't make it just given the storylines coming into the game. But man, it was a hell of a game fun to watch as far as the presentation and the pageantry and all of that. I mean, seeing Usher, Lil John, Ludacris made me feel a little old. Hmm. You know, I was like, "Oh man, wow, it's 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 reached that level now." You know, between that and like Dre and all them last year, I think it was or the year before, it's kind of got me feeling right. Like, you're gonna be man. eligible for Medicare pretty soon. I know it's 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 it makes me hurt inside <laughs> a little bit. It makes uh, me hurt inside, but no, it's good good showmanship. And of course, you know, like always, you know, immediately following, you had everybody jump online and start talking about all the uh, satanic symbology uh, represented at the game. So give us, the, give us the give us the. I missed some of this, and and you're you're attuned to not necessarily Satanism, <laughs> but uh, different communities and what they're seeing. The subtext that I'm missing, which we love for overnight radio. Give me some of the satanic satanic symbology that uh, I might have missed. Oh, of course. Well, well, apparently, you know, uh, Usher was dancing at one point on flames, which then represented him dancing on hell or something like that. Uh, one of Taylor Swift's buddies had apparently an upside down cross on or something goofy. Like, you know, it's like it's that's becomes like part of the fun of watching is seeing like where that crowd will take it. Oh, no um, doubt. Absolutely. Every every whether it's the Grammys or, or the Super Bowl, like, you know, it's hey, we got to find some kind of like evil spirit underworld darkness uh trying to be foisted upon the populace through their popular entertainment programs hey um i as i mentioned last time you were on i've become a, a big fan of your podcast you guys talk about everything from conspiracy theories to politics to uh, to movies i haven't heard it in a few weeks am i mm-hmm. am i not looking in the right place or are you guys taking a hiatus Oh, no, we are still going live and we are still going strong on Die First Then Quit on Substack. Uh, it, we've been very busy these last few weeks uh, working on a bigger project involving my father that we are going to be hopeful to announce uh, in the next few months. Huh. Um, and so that's kind of taken up, eaten up a lot of our, our my creative time. 
but no, definitely we will have some new stuff up this week. Uh, you know, it's just kind of one of those things where you got to, you got to, when you have a lot of plates spinning, man, you got to keep them spinning oh, and hope that nothing drop. And, I, and this, I get new, this new endeavor that we're venturing into for the, for the new year here is, has taken up a lot of my bandwidth, but, uh, trust me, it's going to be fantastic. Well, and all I the more definitely reason. let you know the moment it hits. Thank you. All the more reason we appreciate you, uh, making some time, uh, for us. There was one political ad last night. I'm sure you caught it. Yes, I did. Yeah, so it was uh, the Super PAC supporting Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Uh, I saw that uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has been a guest several times on this show. He actually did an appearance in uh, Arizona with your father a couple of days ago. Give me your take on the ad that aired during the Super Bowl and uh, his candidacy in general. Uh, well, I was completely blown away by the ad. I wasn't expecting it. In fact, I, Neither I can't was I, yeah. remember if there's ever been a political ad on the Super Bowl, to my recent knowledge or memory. It was kind of, I was, it was like, whoa, okay. And it was unique. It was unique taking the the riff off of his, you know, off of JFK's ads back in the day uh, and then kind of putting the the contemporary Kennedy spin on it. Uh, it, it was bold. Um, being that he doesn't have ballot access in all the states yet and things like that, I don't know how much it'll help him. Um, but uh, maybe it will. I don't know. I think in today's political climate, I think people are yearning for a third party candidate. You know, they're yearning for another choice. I mean, if we're, if we're, this is my own opinion, but if we're stuck with Biden and Trump to vote for, I think a lot of people might just stay home on election day tragically, because I don't think those two candidates represent the whole of the American people. And we need more candidates than just the, the, the you know, the, the Coke and Pepsi choices that we're mm. presented with every year. Um, as far as his candidacy so far, there's a lot that I disagree with Bobby on. There's a lot that I agree with him on. But I think that's just kind of the flavor. You, you, you know, that's just every candidate. You're not going to entirely get behind. You're not. You're not. You're not. You know, you're either going to be all the way in or you're, or you're going to be all the way out. Uh, as far as uh, my father's recent uh, appearance with him in Arizona at a get out to, you know, get on the ballot rally, get to help get third parties on the ballots. Um, you know, Jesse came out and said on, on X Twitter that he supports all third party candidates this election because he is so passionate about having more than two choices, legitimate, you know, more than just the two choices on the ballot. Um, he wants people like RFK, Jill Stein, Cornell West, you know, he wants to elevate all those people who are running for, for third party in, in third party slots or independent slots, um, both in presidential elections, federally, locally, nationally, you know, we ju- we just have to get more than these two choices out there. Oh, I, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. Obviously, you're pre- preaching to the choir. The other ad which caught me somewhat by surprise was the ad featuring Carl Weathers and mm. had sort of a mini in memoriam to him. Obviously, he died just a few days ago. One of his, uh, obviously he's great in Rocky, but one of his most iconic roles was in uh, Predator, uh, who stars another former, a couple of former governors, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura. Um, in one of your dad's books, he said that you were kind of bitten by the film Bug, hanging out with him on some movie sets. I'm curious, did you ever find your way to the Predator set and did you ever have any interaction with Carl Weathers if you did? It's funny you mention that. I never found my way onto the Predator set. I just heard the stories uh, when my dad got back. So I think it was about seven or eight at the time when he shot that down in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Um, but what's interesting is, is is losing Carl hit us 
pretty deep because I think it was back in November. Uh, my father, I usually travel with my father when he goes to comic cons or, you know, conventions uh, to sign autographs and do things like that. And Carl was featured along with him as kind of a little mini predator reunion. It was at a convention oh, cool. in Atlanta. So we just got to see Carl just a few months back in, in November and incredible, incredible human being warm, just funnier than hell. Um, and, and seeing him and my dad be able to kind of sit back and reminisce on a film that they made 30 years ago, that's now considered a classic, uh, by many film fans out there. Uh, it, it was, it, it struck us both. I mean, I called him, uh, cause Jesse has a home now in Arizona during the winter. And I called him and, and talked to him about it. We were both just truly saddened and, and very, we both felt very lucky that we got to see Carl and, and we were both, you know, you never want to see somebody go at all, especially somebody as iconic and, and incredible and, and just a beautiful person and human being that Carl is. Um, so we were very, we, we felt really good that we were able to see him and, and God damn, he looked in great health. You know, it, it was really, really shocking uh, when we saw him because boy, he, you know, him and Jesse standing together, you know, there was some age there, you know, both in their seventies, but, but they both, you know, are still, are still sport. We're still sporting the biceps. They were both in great shape. Well, and that's one of the things that I found so confounding is, you know, I didn't see anything really that indicated his cause of death, but the last time uh, that I saw him just, you know, on television, it's been a long time since I've saw him in person, but the last time I saw him on television, which was fairly, fairly recently, he not only seemed incredibly sharp mentally, but he looked in just in incredible shape. So obviously you never know what's going on with people, but uh, it was uh, quite a shock just as a fan. It, it, it truly was. And, and like I said, I saw him, in, you know, like we said, I saw him in November and, and he looked great. You know, I, I, from what all reports is he died peacefully in his sleep, which I think is probably the way we'd all like to mm-hmm. go. You know, if, if given the choice, um, but no, I mean, incredible life, incredible person, incredible artist. You know, I mean, there's not many bad Carl Weathers movies out there. Even Action Jackson Jackson is a hell of a fun, goofy '80s film when you sit back and watch it. So, you know, the film community and 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 all of us who love film truly lost one of the great entertainers and one of the great great icons of our childhoods if you're if you're of a certain age i mean from from rocky to predator to you know but was a happy gilmore to you know he had such a great career arrested development no, no I mean, doubt the, i love the man was great at comedy action i mean just a, a great great human being and he was a phenomenal athlete too because i think he played for the raiders didn't that's he? right that's exactly exactly right oh by the way while we're talking here i got a, an sms text message from a listener who says i got the video um, the lady that was sitting next to Taylor Swift had an upside down cross on. She was throwing up devil horns with her fingers and also lifting up her cross, showing that it was an upside down cross. Well, now we know the rest of the story, Ty. Thank you. I would have had no idea to even ask about that had you not brought this up. Thank you. So Taylor <laughs> Swift, now we know what deal she made with Satan in order to achieve this degree of success and celebrity. And now she she's got the Super Bowl win to, to, to boot. Wow. Uh, oh my god so ridiculous where people want to take things it's like you know how many people people have been in the music industry and rock and roll and living on that life and and this wasn't taylor doing this as her friend you know they've been they've been like 
trying to instigate the populace and, and throw up. I mean, how, how many metal, how many metal artists have thrown up the devil side, you know, the devil horns with their hands over the years? I mean, good Lord. <laughs> the last time you were on the program, we ch- chatted a bit about uh, UFOs. There's been quite a bit happening on the UFO front. There's been additional congressional hearings. The head of Arrow is stepping aside. A lot of media coverage, obviously. Where do you view the UFO or the UAP situation at the moment? Where do you see it going from here? You know, it's interesting, and it's funny we always talk about this. Um, You know, where is it going in terms of disclosure? I don't know. I mean, it just depends. I I think any time you have government secrecy, no matter what it's covering, whether it's it's UFO or your taxes or your, your whatever, you want to root it out. You want to expose it to the light. I mean, that's just the natural instinct, especially when they're using your tax dollars to whether it's investigate mm. or cover it up. Um, I think it was really interesting uh, seeing the reactions that some of the Congress people had after they'd gone into like kind of the top secret. Uh, I think it's a skiff is what it's called, where you can't really take in any recording information. You can't really do anything like that, but you go in and see the top secret documents. Uh, Somebody had a video of them kind of leaving and they all looked white as a ghost or just truly shocked. Um, So that was really interesting to see. It's tough with the UFO thing because I'm kind of torn or the UAP thing, because on one hand, you know, it'd be an awful waste of space if there was nothing out there or an awful waste of interdimension, because I've heard that might be the reason behind Mm -hmm. it. The other half of my brain, though, also says it's rather convenient that right after we get this brand new branch of of government at the Pentagon, what was a space force, where they're going to be sinking millions upon millions, even billions of our dollars into, I find it rather interesting that suddenly, out of the blue, the government wants to bring up UAPs. <laughs> if anything, I would, I you know, my cynical brain is like, hmm, that's a curious coincidence that right when you develop Space Force, now we got to talk about extraterrestrial problems and threats. And why do we always re- view it as a threat? You know, why has it always got to fall under military and threat? You know, if there is these beings from another world or another dimension that have such an intelligence level that they've mastered this kind of travel and 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 mastered the technology to do this. Why do we immediately assume that they're a threat to us? I mean, if, if you are on that level of intellect, right, right. wouldn't you then also realize just how precious life is and how valuable it is and how, you know, they wouldn't pose a threat to us because they recognize the beauty of life and the sanctity of life? Uh, I mean, uh, you're speaking speaking my language. I, I couldn't agree with you more. But as you said, it's the level of government secrecy that causes a lot of people to scratch their heads. Hey, speaking of what's going on in Washington, the Senate voted yesterday to advance a foreign aid bill in a very rare Sunday vote on this $95 billion aid package for Ukraine, Israel, and the Indo-Pacific. 67 senators, bipartisan, voted in favor. We'll see what happens in the in the House. But um, how do you how, what do you how do you handicap this tie? The the idea that in the Senate especially the two parties that so often can't seem to agree on what day it is, the one thing that they have no problem coming to agreement on is funding other countries' wars. I mean, what's your takeaway on this time? It's interesting that when you that, that is one of the biggest things that gets the two parties who supposedly hate each other in bed together all the time, that and the threat of a third party. Our foreign policy, which is you know, essentially really run by the military industrial complex. You notice that with every election of a president, rarely does our foreign policy change. Rarely. 
we got to remember even Trump, for all those Trumpy, Trumpies out there, even Trump was out there bombing nations. He was dropping bombs on Afghanistan and, and, and feeding the military industrial complex beast. So when you see them get together like this to then send our money overseas, whether you, you know, whether you are, you believe in, you know, trying to support Ukraine or, or, sure. you know, everything going on, you still have to raise an eyebrow and say, Hmm, you know, why are we continuing to shovel all of these billions of our tax dollars? Cause at the end of the day, it's our money into which we're borrowing more from death China, and violence which we're yeah. borrowing from china to do that exactly that yeah. too you know so i mean it's one of those things where if you are a believer in peace you see that's the thing that gets me it's not like we're pushing this money out there trying to support these wars or or all you know or under the guise of what we what we say we're doing but we never followed up with all right but here's our peace plan here's how we're trying to mm-hmm. end this all we're told is that the wars just have to keep going you know, you know, and and that's the thing that really gets under my nerves is because I'm a peace, I'm I'm peace first, as you could tell. You know, I don't war has never been an answer. And the more money that you send to war, it's not, you know, the the, the longer those wars will continue. And until you turn off that money and arms spigot, you gotta remember the United States is the biggest arms dealer in the world. You know, we we outweigh everybody when it comes to dealing arms around the world. So we are directly responsible for the, for most of the conflicts or the continuation of conflict. And if you're going to send money to support, then why don't we hear these same voices stepping up as hard, like getting together for all these votes to say, all right, now let's end these wars and let's find solutions to them rather than, well, that's just war. What can you do? Mm. You know, which seems to be the, the general consensus from our foreign policy. But, yeah, that's the one thing to pay attention to since the death of John Kennedy. Our foreign policy has always been a war-first foreign policy. And I'll point out, if uh, anyone is unaware, you're not only the son and uh, nephew of uh, Navy SEAL veterans, but uh, you are the grandson of at least two World War II veterans as well, lest anybody yes. think that you're uh, spending your afternoons uh, burning American flags and uh, firebombing um, Navy recruitment centers. Um, two Stand, qu- standing up for peace is an American virtue. Amen. It's just as patriotic. Amen. Completely agree, if not more so. Um, two final area, areas I want to try and get into with you before we run out of time here. Uh, We are on WCCO in Minneapolis these days. The Minneapolis mayor really laced into the idea of working from home. The mayor called people that work from home losers and um, said that, you know, that I mean, that really says it all. What do you make of his uh, his comments there? Do you think that the mayor's right, that the work from homers are losers? I think that's ridiculous. I mean, I haven't seen his comments to, to see how they were said in the what context, but just going off of what you told me, I think that's a ridiculous statement to make. Look, we are in an era where you can work from home as opposed to going in the office. And for a lot of people, that is so much easier for who they are as individuals, because you're talking about today with inflation and everything that's going on and how little money that the working class people are getting that for them to have the ability to work from home so they can be next to their kids take care of their home rather than having to travel to some you know nondescript office that you just don't need anymore we live in a world of technology that allows people to work from home at the same with the same proficiency as they would in an office Oh, you know, so and I do see one update just out of respect for Mayor Fry. Um, one update to this: he, he says he was joking. So if uh, if people if I read an article where the reporter <laughs> didn't understand the joke, so be it. Uh, the last thing I want to do is uh, criminalize poor humor. Uh, lastly, um, this is very much a a sad story, and I'm not sure if you've uh, you've seen it yet, but. 
They're saying that the uh, wrestler, Billy Jack Haynes, who was an integral part of the WWF back in the 1980s, when uh, I'm sure you were watching, and I I know another Ventura was integral to the commentary, he's been arrested for uh, murdering his wife. And uh, this is uh, really quite a shocking thing. I I followed, I haven't really thought about Billy Jack Haynes in years, but I remember watching uh, the match at um, WrestleMania three against, you know, Hercules Hernandez, which was a terrific matchup. Any thoughts on this at all, or anything you could share about, you know, Billy Jack Haynes? I, you know, I haven't heard that name in many, many, many years. So I don't know the circumstances of what happened with that case in particular. I think what is truly tragic though, uh, and this goes back to my father's efforts to unionize wrestling back in the early '80s, is that a lot of people come out of wrestling from all the wear and tear and abuse mm. and concussion, concussive injuries, and we know how bad. I don't know if that's the case here. I know that probably was the case with Chris Benoit. Well, yeah, that those concussive concussive injuries that are sustained through wrestling do have an adverse effect on your brain. That's been proven time and again. I don't know if that's the case or what was going on well, with Billy Jack, but I do feel very strong. It, it is truly tragic that. When you think back to WrestleMania 1 and you think of how many people are still alive who were part of those early WrestleManias, there may be five people, you know, left. Uh, My dad, Hogan, you know, what, Mr. T, Tito Santana, uh, you know, most of all of that generation, my father's generation of wrestlers are all have all died. Well, the smartest thing he did was stop wrestling at a relatively young age rather than, uh, you know, by the way, uh, Billy Jack Haynes was a plaintiff in a federal class action suit filed against the WWE eight years ago, claiming that the organization mistreated its wrestlers by Mm -hmm. denying and concealing medical research about traumatic brain injuries that they suffered. So who knows? Maybe that did play a role here, but I'm glad you mentioned that regardless. Ty, I always enjoy talking with you, and uh, thank you for being our radio Sherpa to the good folks of the Mini Apple on WCCO. Hopefully, we'll uh, chat again soon. Most definitely, man. And trust me, you're going to love Minneapolis. you got to get up here and visit. Our, our restaurant seat here is, is uh, extraordinary these days. Uh, Multiple James Beard winners, the whole thing, man. You gotta, you're got you going to love it up here. Great count on it. Uh, I'm going to wait till it's a little warmer, though. But I will, <laughs> I will be there soon. Thank you, Ty Ventura. Appreciate it very much. Uh, find him on Substack, uh, and you can also check out his podcast. It is uh, absolutely terrific. Uh, die uh, first, then quit. 800-848-9222. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. Hey, where did we go? Days when the rains came. Laughing and running, hey, hey, skipping and jumping in the misty morning fog with our hearts that thumping and you, my brown eyed girl. 
couple of minutes before the top of the hour, again, a birthday bumper music selection from Al DiGiulio. Hey, uh, one quick thing I did want to mention. A uh, very sad story, they were, uh, which could have been much worse. There were two people wounded, including a young child, after a woman opened fire at celebrity pastor Joel Osteen's church in Houston yesterday. Uh, the assailant was reportedly shot and the, the assailant reportedly shot and killed by was reportedly shot and killed by two off-duty officers. So uh, thankfully that situation didn't escalate, but uh, that is scary. I mean, one of the places where you think you, I mean, we've seen this before unfortunately, but one of the places you think you should be safe is church. I hate to hear that. <clears throat> so, uh we'll see what we learn about this shooter and any possible motive. I'll keep you posted. And, you know, it's funny listening to Ty talk about uh, Ludafisk, which I have tried. It is terrible. I mentioned we went to dinner at, uh, at my brother's on uh, Saturday night. And it was the first time I've seen he and my sister-in-law since they've been back from Australia. They were in Australia for a month. And they brought back Vegemite. You familiar with Vegemite? Vegemite is, if there's a national dish in Australia, I think it's Vegemite. There are so many people in Australia that eat Vegemite on toast every single day. So we all tried some. Every single person hated it. That had, that most people, I was able to finish it. I could eat it if I, you know, was really hungry. But I, it was. It's never something that I would enjoy. I would never take that over peanut butter or jam or, you know, anything, just regular butter. So I'm not sure how this got such an incredible following in Australia, but um, in our family, it got a two thumbs down. I was able to eat it. I was able to swallow it. I'm not going to tell you I had to spit it out and rinse my mouth out as my sister did, but certainly not my favorite. Until next hour, keep asking questions.